Shalom, and welcome to Parasha Highlights and Insights. This is Rabbi Abraham Fisher, and uh, this week we read Parashat Shemini, which is essentially a continuation of what happened in the last parasha, Parashat Tzav, which was uh, this year interrupted, we might say, by Pesach. Uh, Tzav taught us about the Miluim, the days of the installation of the Kohanim. And for seven days, Moshe uh, did the uh, the work, the service in the Mishkan, showing the Kohanim how it is to be done. But starting with the eighth day, which is what gives its name, uh, gives us the name of the parasha, Shemini, starting with the eighth day, it is the Kohanim, Aharon and his sons, who are to do uh, all of the avodah, all of the service in the Mishkan. The para- the first part of the parasha, therefore, uh, focuses on the eighth day of the uh, Miluim. First, Aharon is to offer his Miluim offerings. These are two offerings, one a chatat, a sin offering that comes from a calf, another an ola burnt offering that comes from a ram. And then, uh, with the assistance of the other kohanim, Aharon will offer the people's offerings. And these are five animal offerings plus a mincha grain offering. The five offerings are a chatat from a goat, uh, two ola, one from a calf, one from a sheep, and two shlamim, uh, peace offerings, one from a bull and one from a ram, and then, as I said, the mincha, the grain offerings as well. And uh, Moshe tells Aharon that when this will be done, then Hashem's glory will appear to the people. And so, uh, on the eighth day, uh, which essentially is the beginning of the service of the Kohanim, Rashi tells us that this takes place on Rosh Chodesh, Nisan, which means that it is nearly a year since the uh, exodus from Egypt. Uh, and so Aharon and his four sons offer uh, first Aharon's two Miluim offerings, and then the people's five offerings and the Mincha. And they do everything uh, exactly as they are supposed to do. And Aharon and Moshe bless the people and the glory of Hashem appears to the people. And then a fire emerges from Hashem and consumes the offerings on the altar. And this shows, of course, Hashem's uh, acceptance. Uh, this uh, glorious moment, however, is uh, is interrupted by the sin of Nadav and Avihu, the two older uh, sons of uh, Aharon. Uh, their sin, it is described, is that they take strange fire, fire that they had not been commanded to uh, to bring, um, as well as incense, and they bring it inside, and this they were not supposed to do, and therefore a fire consumes them. It seems to be the same fire that emerges from Hashem consumes them as well. Moshe says that the uh, it is... Uh, through his close ones, that he is sanctified, uh, but Aharon remains silent uh, in the in the face of Moshe's words. Moshe gives orders that the bodies are to be removed, 
and that Aaron and his remaining two sons, that's not, and uh, Elazar and Itamar, uh, are to observe no signs of mourning. Uh, rather, the people will mourn for the uh, for the loss. Uh, in the midst of this, uh, we learn a prohibition against drinking wine and intoxicants. Uh, and this is one of the rare times that Aharon receives the command from Hashem. Hashem speaks to Aharon. Uh, in a sense, it is a reward to Aharon uh, for uh, accepting God's judgment. Um, they are taught that uh, during the time that Kohanim are serving, uh, they're not permitted to drink any uh, wine or other intoxicants, and also at the time of deciding Torah law. They are not to uh, be drunk, uh, and this actually is a rule for anyone who decides matters of uh, of Torah law. Then Moshe uh, commands Aharon and his sons to continue to eat the mincha and the offerings, and uh, this proceeds. However, Moshe inquires which, with regard to one of the sacrifices, the people's goat chatat, and he asks in uh, angrily to Elazar and Itamar, why was it burned and not eaten? Now, the truth is that under the circumstances, because the Kohanim uh, have sustained the loss, although they bring the offerings, they do not eat it. That's the law. But uh, Moshe seems to have forgotten the law, uh, probably because of his anger. Um, Aharon responds to his brother uh, Moshe by by saying that in the face of everything uh, that has just happened, would it have been uh, acceptable to Hashem for us to eat the sacrifices? And this is uh, a response that is acceptable to uh, to Moshe. Uh, this concludes the first part of the parasha, uh, the events uh, both uh, great and tragic uh, of the eighth day. But the second part of the parasha uh, brings us into a section of the book of Vayikra uh, that returns to the whole subject of, uh, of laws and uh, deals with, uh, with areas of uh, permission, uh, permitted and, and forbidden. Um, we'll talk a little bit later on uh, why is this uh, here right after the uh, tragedy of Nadav and Avihu, we might suggest a, a, uh, a connection. But uh, first, the Torah deals with the rules of uh, living creatures that are permitted or forbidden for eating. What, are we, what animals are we uh, permitted uh, to eat? What animals are we forbidden to eat? And the Torah divides up uh, living creatures into different groups. One group is what we might call four-legged creatures, those that live on the uh, on the earth, walk around. Uh, so in order for them to be permitted, they have to have two signs. Uh, one, completely split hooves, and two, they must chew their cud. Creatures with only one sign, and Tari gives a few examples, creatures with only one sign are forbidden. Then uh, there's a classification of creatures that live in the water, uh, for uh, such creatures, they require two signs as well, fins and scales, uh, and uh, otherwise they would be forbidden. Then the Torah talks about flying creatures, uh, which would include not only birds, but uh, anything else that uh, can, uh, can fly. And once again, the Torah gives a list this time, not signs, but of forbidden flying creatures. Um, and because it's uh, in many cases difficult to identify uh, the creatures that the, the, the 
creatures that the Torah is talking about, exactly which birds. So the uh, one requires a, uh, a a tradition to know which kinds of uh, birds are permitted to eat. Um, the final group of uh, creatures that uh, might possibly be eaten are flying insects, most of which are forbidden. However, the Torah gives signs as well as names of certain permitted species of locusts. Uh, then the Torah moves into the uh, section that uh, that deals with these uh, with creatures, but uh, in terms not of what is permitted and forbidden to eat, but uh, how it is possible for many of these creatures, when they have died, uh, to uh, communicate tum'ah, a ritual impurity, uh, either through touch or through carrying. So the first group uh, that the Torah talks about is nevela which is the carcass uh, of forbidden animals, uh, those animals that are forbidden to uh, to eat. And um, when, uh, when those animals uh, have died, so one can become tame for one day, uh, either through direct physical contact or by carrying, even without physical contact. Then the Torah talks about certain types of shratzim, uh, creepy crawlies, uh, we might say. Uh, but the Torah uh, lists eight specific uh, creatures. They may be lizards. Uh, uh, once again, it's hard to identify them. But the Torah says that if they are dead, then uh, through physical contact, one becomes tame for one day. The Torah then goes on to say that utensils uh, can become tame. Vessels um, may become tame. Uh, through contact with something that is a source of tumah, uh, it talks about the materials that can, uh, uh, of which these these utensils might be made: wood, cloth, leather, sackcloth, um, and uh, they become tame for one day, and then after which they have to be uh, immersed, as we will see. However, if they're made of earthenware. Um, they can only become tame if something goes inside them, and then they cannot be made tahor. They have to be broken. Food also can become tame if it is uh, wet. Uh, ovens, which are, were made of uh, earthenware, uh, therefore cannot become tahor if they are tame, and they also have to be shattered. Water itself is tahor and can even make people and utensils tahor. This is uh, by immersion in a uh, body of water or certain types of gatherings of water called a uh, called a mikvah. Uh, we go back to the subject of nevela carcass. This time of a permitted creature, and once again the Torah says that through contact or carrying. Uh, one becomes tame for one day. And we're reminded once again uh, that we are forbidden to eat various types of swarming uh, creatures. At the end of all of this, the Torah concludes by saying uh, that uh, you, are not, you are not to make yourselves repulsive by the conclusion of this uh, section of the, uh, of the Torah. Uh, as we conclude this uh, part of the Torah, the, the Torah says, Ki ani Hashem I am Hashem your God. V'hit uh, you shall sanctify yourselves. You shall be holy because I am holy. Don't defile yourselves with any of these 
swarming things. I am Hashem who took you out of the land of Egypt. I want you to be different. I want you to be uh, holy again because I am holy. And the Torah concludes by saying this concludes the teaching of the various types of creatures, whether they are uh, on the land, on the water, in the, in the air, um, uh, and uh, that there is a, a duty uh, to uh, there is a duty to um, to differentiate, to distinguish lahavdil between those things that are unclean and clean, uh, which uh, which things may not be eaten and which things may uh, be eaten. Uh, in the uh, in the discussion of these verses, uh, Rav Naftali Tzvi Yehuda Berlin, in his commentary on the Torah, the Ha'amek Davar says that uh, the reason why the Torah adds these verses at the end that it's necessary to uh, to differentiate is because he says that there is a positive commandment to check out, to investigate uh, anything about which there is a doubt to see whether it is uh, clean or unclean. He uh, cites the Rambam. It is the, uh, there is a, a well-known rule that uh, well-known halacha that when there is a safek a doubt with regard to a Torah law, uh, we must be strict. However, it is the view of the Rambam uh, that that law itself, that that halacha itself, is a rabbinic law. That according to Torah law, uh, once there is a doubt, uh, something would be uh, permitted. Um, nevertheless the uh, Haimek Davar insists, um, there is still a positive commandment of the Torah to investigate uh, any doubt and to try to clarify it, because the important thing is to get as close as, as uh, we are able to, uh, to a clear understanding of what the halacha is. Um, that is the duty of the court, that is the duty of uh, t uh, Torah authorities. And he concludes with the words that just it is, as it is forbidden to be lenient uh, when it comes to a doubt that is very close to strict, it's more than likely that it is uh, forbidden, uh, or conversely, conversely, it is forbidden uh, to avoid clarifying a doubt and then just to act as if something is permissible. So, he says, it is forbidden to be strict where it's possible to determine that it is permitted. Uh, one does not just, uh, out of what we might call laziness, uh, be, uh, be on the side of strict uh, just because uh, one does not uh, want to go through the trouble of, uh, of clarifying uh, what the halacha is. One has an obligation to try to clarify uh, the doubtful. And this we might say, uh, might explain why we have this uh, whole section uh, here right after uh, the, uh, the terrible events of Nadav and Avihu, because we, are, we need to be reminded of the responsibility, the great responsibility of all Torah leaders, uh, starting with the Kohanim. Uh, that was their responsibility uh, to, uh, to teach and to clarify, it says so. Uh, in the context of the mitzvah, uh, the prohibition against kohanim uh, becoming being drunk at the time that they make uh, halachic decisions, so we know that it is the responsibility of the kohen to 
decide matters of, of halacha. And uh, so it is true of anyone who is in a, uh, has the authority and the ability uh, to decide. So after we've seen how the Kohanim are uh, installed as Kohanim to do the service, we're also reminded of their very, very great responsibility of uh, teaching and deciding matters of, uh, uh, of Torah uh, law. Uh, and that will be the, the overwhelming majority of not only the rest of Parshat Shemini, but really of the rest of Sefer Vayikra. I thank you very much for joining me uh, in this uh, exploration of Parashat Shemini. This has been Rabbi Avraham Fisher for Parashat Highlights and Insights saying Shalom.